0: But if you
1: looked at your husband and said his name and tasted stinky cheese. But I I, I
0: wouldn't have married him. That's the truth. (laughs)
1: There, right? Harsh, (laughs) but true.
0: Hey, I'm Christine. And I'm Gracie. We both have a brain condition called synesthesia, and we love it. It blends different senses together and makes our lives richer and more colorful. But my brother Ian, he's a skeptic.
2: No, it is totally real. (laughs) <laughs>
0: so, on this show, we meet incredible people
1: and explore their amazing stories about how synesthesia is changing the world. From artists to musicians to thought leaders and scientists, people with synesthesia are everywhere and they make our lives more colorful.
2: Colorful? More! more. I hate to say Colorful! <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to, to SynPod! it worked! Jesse,
0: your laughing makes it harder <laughs> Welcome back to Sin Pod. I'm Christine Olmsted, and today we're missing a guest, but we're... St- we're <laughs> missing a host. <laughs> missing sort of part of our minds, I guess. Um. Welcome back to (laughs) SynPod. this is Christine Olmstead, and today we are missing one of our hosts, Ian, but we're joined by Gracie, as always. Hello. And today, our very special guest is Melissa McCracken, who is a synesthetic artist. She's an abstract expressionist. Her paintings are stunning, and we are so, so excited to talk to her today about synesthesia. Yes. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are so excited to talk about your art. It is truly
1: stunning, and it sounds and looks like you're coming to us from Brooklyn, New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, straight from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: We think your story is so cool, and we would love to hear, first and foremost, what kind of synesthesia you have for our listeners.
3: Yeah, so I have a couple of forms of synesthesia. The one that's associated to my art is music-to-color synesthesia. So all of my music has different kind of textures and flows and shapes and colors that I see, I guess, in my mind's eye as I'm listening to music. And then I also have graphing synesthesia. So I see letters and numbers as colors. And then I also have spatial sequential synesthesia. So anything that is like in a sequence format is uh spatially placed around my body so like a calendar year or days of the week have like certain set points in space around me
1: Hmm. awesome it sounds like one of the first times you realized your perception of the world was slightly different was when you were talking to a friend about a cell phone ringtone and I was wondering if you could tell that Mm -hmm. story
3: yeah so when I was like 15 years old, I was hanging out with a friend and I had this navy blue cell phone and I was excited to find a song that would match the way that my cell phone looked. So I was looking through my iTunes and I was just like scrolling through songs and I was telling my friend, I was like, oh, this song is perfect. It's orange. So it like is a complimentary color to the blue and it looks good. And he was like... What do you mean it looks good? And I thought he didn't understand complimentary colors because I was like, this song is so obviously orange. Like I was none the wiser that synesthesia didn't exist. And then I had to explain to him that the song was orange and then that was confusing. And (laughs) So I was confused, he was confused. We didn't know what was normal at that point.
0: Yeah. Do you remember what this song was?
3: Yeah, it was called Cheater by Michael Jackson.
1: The artist in me liked it. Yes, for sure.
3: When did you first start painting? Well, I've always kind of been interested in art my whole life. Like that's been since I was little, little. That was what I wanted to do, you know, in preschool and stuff. But I didn't start painting music until I was 18 or 19. And I painted one friend's song, who was the song that I listened to Cheater by Michael Jackson with. And then it wasn't until I was 20... Three or 24 that I started painting music full time and really kind of trying to show that side of how things look to me.
1: Hmm. And I think in one interview I saw that you did, you talked about how at first, as you were pursuing art, you were really interested in the technical side of things but it wasn't until you started thinking about art as a form of communication that you really began to get into it. And I was curious if you could talk a little bit about what that means to you and how you use art as a form of communication.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that one of the best things about art as far as far as communicating goes is that it's not, especially abstract art, it's not forcing anything on you. It's kind of just like giving you the concept and you get to take your time with it and kind of process it in your own right. And so I think it's a really honest and direct indirect form of communication because there's nothing to be said and also nothing to not be said either. So it allows the viewer to kind of interpret things however they want. And I think too, in my art form specifically, It allowed me to communicate myself better by working from the premise that like synesthesia is so subjective and we don't know what's in people's minds eyes and what they're actually experiencing. So it allowed me to see that, you know, we all kind of experience things differently, which allowed me to communicate a little more broadly with people by like not making so many assumptions about how people are perceiving or communicating.
0: As this has become your full-time career, synesthesia obviously now is a huge part of your life. It's your source of income. Um, How did you make that decision? And when did that transition occur where you were like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And this is going to be my full-time career. And I'm going to stake my life on synesthesia, so to speak. Yeah,
3: I know. It's interesting because I never thought that my entire world would be revolving around synesthesia. Um, And I don't really think of it so much that way anymore. I used to, when I first started trying to make a living off of it. So At first it was all based on synesthesia and it was a little overwhelming, you know, because it is such a personal experience. And so it was hard to constantly explain myself and especially too, since my career was tied to synesthesia, so many people knew that I had it. So it was a lot more like, what does this song look like? It became more of me than what I ever had really associated it to be before. Because like, I think we all know, whenever you grow up with synesthesia, You don't even think that it's there because it's always existed so naturally. And so for it to become a shock to someone else and then have to talk about it so much, it's like talking to someone a lot about how you can smell coffee or something. It's like, (laughs) okay, yeah, like it's just such a passive thing. It's just hard to make that the subject constantly. But my art, is it's gone back and forth between being more emotionally expressive and synesthesia expressive. So I've found kind of more of a balance with it because... Synesthesia sometimes gets really personal too, and so it's like hard to always be putting that inside part out. So I paint other things in the meantime. When did you start painting full time? So I was in Hamburg, Germany as an au pair for a year after college, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I had studied psychology, and I picked up Painting again while I was out there and had posted it online. So it kind of took off and became my means to living whenever I got back from Germany. So that was a pretty good transition. <laughs> you
1: know, I saw that you had studied psychology and I thought that was really interesting because, you know, psychology is so much about studying the mind and behavior. And obviously, synesthesia is all about how our minds are influencing all of our perceptions, all of these different modalities. Do you think that your interest in psychology stems at all from your synesthesia?
3: Yeah, no, I wasn't. um, I think I found out about synesthesia in a psychology class, a formal understanding of it after I realized that it was something different. And I think that it maybe is rooted in the fact that I am really interested in people's perceptions and how they interpret the world. And synesthesia is just kind of another form of that. It's just a new output for whatever's coming in. So I think that also when I did start to understand that it was kind of an abnormal neurological condition, it made it more interesting to try to pick it apart from that perspective too, you know, just to see what it also was associated with and just like how it bled into other areas of cognitive functioning or sensory perception or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's like enhanced my interest in psychology. I think they kind of feed each other back and forth.
0: Yeah. You mentioned a minute ago that you have expanded your work a little bit more. What are some of the other series or works that you've been working on that aren't synesthesia related? Or or I'm sure they still are to a degree because you can't run away from it. Mm -hmm. But um, what is the focus of them?
3: Yeah, I think my newer works, especially with like COVID and the political atmosphere going on right now, like there's so much processing happening. And so I think in some ways it was like, A luxury to focus on solely synesthesia for a long time. And now there's just like so much else taking up my internal landscape that you want to get that out. So I think that a lot of my work now has been more focused in like um, kind of an active participation of processing things and kind of visually balancing as you're emotionally balancing what goes on, you know? So it's, I guess, even more abstract expressionist in that, right? Because it's, yeah, just a direct expression of what I'm thinking or feeling. Interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you always paint to music no matter what you're putting on the canvas? That used to be the case. And then I noticed a couple things. One was that
3: if I deviated from the song I was painting, it would get influenced too much by like the other artist I was listening to. So I started turning on like podcasts and audiobooks and stuff like that. So I get a, a good mix. And then sometimes I'm like, maybe it's nice to just take my headphones out and just like listen to the world.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
3: you know, you hear like the paintbrush on the canvas again, which is kind of a nice, like visceral interpretation of it. So I tried a bunch of different things. A lot of times my mom calls while I'm in the studio. So I talk to her too,
0: <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what medium are you An oil or acrylic?
3: Mostly oil. I've been playing with acrylics more. Oil takes so long to dry between each layer. I don't know how familiar you are, but like, I don't quite have the patience for that. And especially whenever you're working abstractly, it's like you're already ready to put something down and you have to wait like three days. And so it kind of inhibits the process a little bit and segments it too much. Sometimes I'll build a base with acrylic and add
0: oil on top of it. When you do choose to paint to music, I'm just curious if you personally were consistently drawn to a particular genre or artist over and over. There are a few artists that I would say that
3: for. I like a lot of different types of music, so I think that inspiration just pops up randomly and I'll just have a one-off that's like old country or something like that if I (laughs) feel like it, which isn't usually a part of what I like to paint or listen to. But I would say like kind of more electronic, busy music like Radiohead or James Blake, like even Nine Inch Nails. They've got a lot of stuff going on, so there's a lot to pick and pull from if you're looking for inspiration in that. So I feel like that's usually my go-to in painting music. That's really
0: interesting.
1: This summer, you said you were in the country. Did you find that impacted your art mm-hmm. at all or your creativity? Yeah, so I
3: was back home in Missouri this summer throughout a lot of the lockdown. And I think it can be helpful. It's where I grew up. I grew up in a lot of open space. So that's freeing to like kind of return to the nature that you grew up in. But I don't think it's necessarily ever the environment that helps. It's just like the internal inspiration of it all. You know, it's just like, what's your driving force? What's your motivation and things like that. And it is really nice, though, to have those moments to like step outside in a big open field rather than be in Brooklyn, New York and, you know, step outside and to the street. That's a little more confining than being
1: in a big expansive area. Well, it's interesting. We've talked to a couple different artists and and an art historian who have really studied synesthetic artists over time. And it seems like for the synesthetic artist, there's an internal landscape that they're drawing from that influences them to a much greater degree than necessarily an external landscape. So that would kind of fit with what we've been learning over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're less influenced by what's going on around you physically than you are what's going on inside your head or in your body or in your emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That rings true. So I have a quick little game that I want to play with you. I read somewhere that your number three is lime green, and I have mm-hmm. that type of synesthesia as well. I met a woman who we have the same colors for one through ten. She like was like, "This is impossible! Like, how do you know my colors?" And we like melted into a puddle we were so excited (laughs) so I'm wondering if you can just tell me your numbers (laughs) one through ten what the colors are because perhaps we have a third sister in Mm -hmm. the same colors of me and my friend Megan so can you tell me your colors for one through ten
1: we need a drum roll a drum roll something (laughs) sure
0: I'm worried I'm gonna let you down. No, it's okay. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. I'm just, I'm just now infinitely curious. You just won't be
1: the third sister. It's okay. It's okay. There are two of us.
0: It's possible. It doesn't matter. There's no wrong answers, Melissa. No wrong answers.
3: All right. Thank you. All right. So one is like white. Sometimes airs icy blue. Two is light pink. Three is lime green. Four is blue. No way. I'm not even watching your reaction. I'm just mapping it out of my head. Okay. Keep going. Keep Four going. is blue. Five is like pinky, like a darker pink kind of color. Six is dark green. Seven is like yellowish mustardy color. Eight is brown. Nine is dark blue. And
0: ten is like white and black, I think. Okay, so... You got off at four and five and six, but one through three are the same and seven is spot on. Incredible. Okay. So you're Definitely. not a sister. Maybe a but
1: cousin. Yeah. Perhaps you're a cousin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> a close relative. Do you want to know an interesting theory behind that? Yeah. Behind similar synesthesia is that the magnets, like the alphabet magnets that Correct. went on refrigerators, I guess they like tended to have certain colors for certain letters and numbers. And so, like, since they think synesthesia is, like, highly associative, that I guess they think that we just made those associations with those colors, which is why it would be parallel between different synesthetes.
1: My 7 is that same color, Mustard yellow. yellow. Yep.
0: Yeah, Seven's so it makes one. me
1: curious.
0: Yeah.
1: It would be really cool if at yeah. some point there were some sort of survey you could take online, Yeah, and then you could see how many other... Synesthetic individuals share, you know, the same color associations with you.
0: Yeah, but I feel like Dr. Saitoic, when we interviewed him, was like actually highly 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 diverse, unlikely, highly diverse. yeah so i'm well, just curious it could I could like a
1: dating game except find your synesthesia relatives
0: yeah. you know find your twin find yeah. your color twin I've, <laughs> I've already found mine so maybe yours is just out there but you could be a cousin okay thank you for indulging me <laughs> i appreciate it of course
2: This podcast is brought to you by Distant Moon. Distant Moon is one of the fastest growing film production and media companies in the United States. Look, if you run a business or nonprofit or work at an ad agency, you know how hard it is to connect with new audiences. We're not talking about meaningless views or vanity metrics. We're talking real, memorable audience experiences where the audience actually remembers your brand or movement's story. Over the last decade of crafting video for some of the largest brands in the world, we've realized a key fact. Audiences don't care until they realize that we, the storytellers, care. That's why we're passionate about creating content that moves the heart, strengthens the mind, and makes the world a better place for everyone. If that sounds good to you, we'd love to work with you. Visit us and get in touch at distantmoonmedia.com. That's distantmoonmedia.com.
1: So one thing that I think we noticed that's really interesting is that you paint or have painted at least on the ground, like kneeling over your painting rather than painting upright. Is that something you do regularly? Um, It depends on what type of technique I'm using, like especially if it's like a pour or something.
3: And I've kind of gone all over the board with trying different things like I've painted on the wall flat on the canvas so I can stretch it around stretcher bars later or I'll paint it on the already stretched canvas like I've just kind of tried on a bunch of different hats with it to see what works and I think it's good too to like move your work around so you get a different again perspective of what it looks like and different point of view and stuff so it's kind of fun to like throw it around the room and see what you see from different angles and things like that
1: yeah for sure I feel so constrained. I just sit at a computer and type.
0: That's my that's
1: my space. But
0: <laughs> yeah. As an artist myself, I think back to certain pieces that are just my favorite, or I know what I was listening to, or I know the conversation I was having while I was painting it, and I'm wondering if you have favorite paintings um, or if they're tied to favorite songs, because for me they're not, but I'm curious... Uh, what your experiences with maybe favorite works or even a favorite series um, and, and how that ties into your synesthesia or not.
3: Yeah, I think that a lot of my favorite paintings have come from the associations with the songs that they're connected to. Just like one of them I painted was Little Wing by Jimi Hendrix. And my brother was learning the guitar when I was super little and has played throughout our entire lives. And I remember him learning to play that guitar. And so he would like put that song on repeat. And so like my memories of that are very highly associated with like the colors of the synesthesia with it. It's like so melted in my five-year-old brain that I don't know like what's colorful and what's real and all that kind of stuff. And so that's one of my favorite paintings. And I think it just like has a lot of heart wrapped into it. So it feels like connected to me. And I ended up doing a series too, that was just strictly based on song associations to like, family members and friends and stuff like that and so all of those have like their very specific string of connection to me for forever you know so I carry those around a lot mentally I guess in a weird way. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, well, maybe you can send us a couple of those. So we can see which ones those are and add them maybe to the show notes, um, so that others yeah. can yeah. see what you're you're talking about. So, quick question: in terms of technique, so are you listening to a song on repeat while you're working on a piece, or do you allow yourself to? dabble in other pieces of music or what is that process like? Sometimes
3: I'll do the repeat thing but it gets too heady with that like I feel like I start hating the song and I'm tired of it and it's like not for the joy of painting anymore you know and then again if I start to play a different genre of music I feel like sometimes that starts to pull the painting into another direction that it shouldn't be going in so that can be frustrating but I'll like listen to the same album or something or like turn on like the same genre that can be okay but the repeating one song it gets a little overwhelming sometimes <laughs> but it is really helpful because then you can really like hone in on specifics of what you're trying to capture.
1: Hmm. One thing we've realized as we've talked to people is that oftentimes People who have synesthesia might also have something like dyslexia or other learning disabilities. Sometimes synesthesia itself can act as a disability or an impediment in certain situations just because of how strong and visceral it is. Would you say that you have had any of those experiences or has it primarily been pretty positive overall?
3: I think for the most part, it's been helpful. I remember math was one of my easier subjects because like I'd remember the gist of the colors in a formula. So I'd be like, there's light pink missing. And I knew that a two was missing or something like that. I think that that was helpful, but sometimes I just get with number sequences or with letter sequences. Confused on what colors go where. So it's just like a mush of like blue and green and yellow. And I'm like, okay, so where does the seven go? And like it's hard to remember the order of it. But again, with the spatial sequential synesthesia, that has been helpful too with remembering like dates for things or something. And I know that it is in a certain spot around my body or something like that. So I think it helps sometimes. I think sometimes it gets in the way too because also if I remember someone's name is blue. It can be an A name or an F name or something else. So it like almost broadens the possibility. So it can get confusing that way.
1: I've always wondered why I have so much trouble remembering names and why I second guess myself so much. And then I realized the other day it's because mm-hmm. certain names are the exact same color. And they usually have a similar letters or something, but like... I literally won't be able to remember if it's Bill or Bob because both are the right color, both fit the person and I get I get so nervous about saying the wrong one, but it happens all the time. Yeah, if they're both orange or both green, I get certain names mixed up with each other. I'm right there with you there. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> yep literally just realized like two weeks ago that that's why in college even I would forget someone's name and then I'd be terrified to ask them (laughs) for like three months what their actual name was Uh because then you get to that point it's like it was three months ago I met you I should know by now so I'm not gonna ask
0: (laughs) I don't think I knew that you had color associations for names that's news I do what color is Melissa
1: oh Well, so the other funny thing is I've realized more and more how much I associate personality with color. And so I've realized sometimes a person's name is one color, but then as I get to know them, they they change the color of the name. But Melissa, I think, is green.
3: Purple to me. It's pink and purple to me.
1: (laughs) I realize there's certain baby names I cannot ever pick because of their color because I don't like that color.
3: I know exactly what you mean. And you're in that right now, man, that's true. Because I feel that way about J names, like I like the sound of it, but it's like a dirty yellow. It comes as a problem sometimes.
2: Look, I get it. You're tired of the ads, you're tired of poorly made videos on the web, and you can't wait to slam the skip button on YouTube into the core of the earth. Or at least into your desk. But what if advertising and media could be entertaining and… informative? What if it could actually make the world a better place? Well, that's our mission at Distant Moon. We think the best marketing for a brand or movement is actually just plain good-hearted, human-focused storytelling. So if you want to partner with a company creating clutch content that actually makes audiences want to engage with your company, nonprofit, movement, or story, hit us up at Distant Moon. We're the filmmakers and storytellers behind many of the world's most successful brands, nonprofits, and campaigns that you've seen out in the world. We're kind of like the Wizard of Oz, uh, but if the Wizard was actually, you know, doing cool crap that made the world a better place. So visit us and get in touch at distantmoonmedia.com.
0: curious if you can share a little bit more about what you're working on right now can you give us a little sneak preview of what you're working on
3: yeah um I wish I had something exciting to say but I don't have (laughs) much exciting stuff happening right now with the way that the year has been and last year my dad passed away from cancer and so it's been just kind of a big year and so I've taken some time to paint and then I've also taken time to just relax and so I think it's been a good, just low-key relationship that I've had with the work right now is just kind of, like I said, going through processing and back and forth between understanding how things work and how the world works and all that kind of stuff. So I don't have any specific projects coming up per se, but just the experience of being in the studio has been a a little bit different lately. And it's been been nice though, because it's just a lot less stress. (laughs) There's nothing on the other end of it. It's
1: just pure creation. So it's been good. 2020 has been a tough year for creatives in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hm Um, Is there anything in terms of the Brooklyn creative crowd, or even as you entered the art world for the first time, have you met other synesthetes or other people, other creatives who've really inspired and pushed your work in new ways? Um, yeah. I mean, whenever I first especially started up with
3: the whole synesthesia aspect of my work, I met a few other synesthetes, one who was a jewelry maker um, in England. And I have another friend, she's a musician and she had voice to shape synesthesia. Like she had a really interesting and then like personality to shape or something and also snack snack (laughs) food to frequency um, synesthesia too. So it's been nice because I have met like a lot of different synesthetes. And then beyond that, they also have such specific types of relationships with synesthesia. So I think that in general has just been inspiring because it just like keeps opening up the potential for people's minds <laughs> even more and more. And you're just kind of like have less opportunity to be audacious about how you see the world and stuff. So I think that that's just enlightening in a way. So it's been nice to meet different people
0: that are associated in some way. If you could have another kind or multiple other kinds, even what kind would you have?
3: Oh, oh, that's interesting. I've never thought of that before. Um, I think one that would be cool would be pitch to color. I have music to color, but I don't have as fine tuned enough of an ear to have it specifically to pitch. So I think that that would be awesome. I feel like that's really beneficial for some people who are musicians who have, you know, perfect pitch and stuff. That's the first one that comes to mind. (laughs) Have you thought about that? Do you have other ones that are interesting?
1: Oh man, well, perfect pitch would be amazing to have. Perfect pitch, period. Let's just just say. That would be amazing. Oh gosh. I think that I would love to be able to see music the way you guys do. I love having my number stories, ordinal linguistic personification and spatial sequence and some of those other things, but I've really coveted that sight Mm -hmm. for music and think it would be absolutely fascinating to experience.
0: Yeah. yeah, It is a treat, Gracie. You are missing out. I am missing out. Um, I think for me, I would love to have taste. I would love to have any form of a taste kind. Like, give me that flavor because... Would you want
1: it all the time, though? Because it, it could get very distracting, I feel like. <sighs>
0: I mean, that's what everybody says about all kinds of tinnitus. Everyone's like, True. "How do you focus? Uh-huh. How can you get any work done?" And it's like, you don't understand. Can you drive? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can you drive? That's a, like a top question. So, uh, but if
1: you looked at your husband and said his name and tasted stinky cheese,
0: I wouldn't have married him. I probably would have been like, yeah. "What's his name?" The tinnitus who can't date girls because of the way their names. Yeah, this taste.
1: The, all those girls are uh, just exactly. Else. I would there be in go. his
0: category. Just give him a nickname. <laughs> yeah give him a nickname exactly (laughs) a tasty snack that you enjoy That's awesome. Whether it be sound or whatever, to have a taste would just be a delightful pleasure and maybe a good diet plan as well, you know? You don't (laughs) have to uh, Mm -hmm. eat as much. (laughs) Cravings can be satisfied with... (laughs) With names alone. (laughs) With names and music alone. (laughs) You're just reading to have a snack. (laughs) My afternoon snack today will be uh, this book. (laughs) Some nice Debussy. Exactly, some Debussy snacks, yeah. I feel like Debussy would be like lemon meringue pie or something. Something very delicate. Delicate and fluffy. Something French. French, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a meringue, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, yeah.
1: Well, this has been such a treat, such a delight, Melissa. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences with us and your art with us. We're very excited to be able to share those beautiful paintings with our listeners as well
0: thank you so much thanks so much for taking the time okay it's gonna be such an edit
1: (laughs) i'm glad we don't have to do that
2: Thanks so much for listening to our show. We're having a blast making it, but we're just getting started and we need your help. If you want more episodes and to hear from some of the leading artists, thought leaders, and scientists discussing how synesthesia is shaping our world, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you can get each awesome new episode automatically delivered to you. And please, leave a review. That's one of the best ways for people to find our show. This show features Christine Olmstead, Grace Olmstead, and me, Ian Reed. Our producer is Alana Varley, and the show is mixed by the man who makes Chuck Norris seem boring, Jesse Eastman. Our title music is by Virgil Arles, with additional music by Captan and Thad Kopek. Sinpod is recorded and produced by Distant Moon Media. Catch you all next week.